smells Jesus-y. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. We are the aroma of Christ. God has spoken in many Welcome ways. to Smells Jesus-y, a podcast by Three Crosses Church. Today we continue our series in Bible reading tools. Matt Waldron speaks to us from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 39 on salvation. Here's Matt. Uh, so last time we looked at the last things, that is what the Bible says about the future. We saw that although we live in a broken world, uh, Jesus has come into our world, stepped into history and started a whole new history. Uh, he died, uh, God's judgment coming in an early way on him. He was raised to life again as the beginning of the new creation. And so he's ascended to God's right hand and now he's reigning, he's interceding and he's sending his spirit. And one day he will come back again. He will return. We don't know when it's going to be, but he definitely will return and bring the fullness of God's judgment and the fullness of the new creation. So we live in this, this situation where we still live in a broken world, but the new world has already started. And Jesus is uh, working that in us and will one day come and bring the fullness of that. So how does that actually work for people now? Uh, Jesus has died and been raised to life again. He will come back. How does it actually work in the meantime? So that's uh, salvation, our topic for today. So there's three big things I want to show you about salvation today. Um, like uh, the rest of the talks in this series, we're mostly just trying to get across, summarize the kind of ideas. Uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time thinking about how to apply it to our lives, though obviously that is the goal. So the three big things for today are salvation is God's work. Salvation is applied to people through their faith, and salvation is the application of Christ's merit. So firstly, to show you something about salvation being God's work, I just want to remind you of the Bible passage we just read from Ezekiel. Uh, in Ezekiel, uh, God's word comes to Israel through Ezekiel. The elders of Israel, the leaders come to, to inquire of God uh, through Ezekiel, and basically God says, you can't be serious just look at your history. He reminds them that he, he promised to save them from Egypt and bring them out of slavery and bring them to their own land flowing with milk and honey. And so he told them to get rid of their idols and just worship him. But they didn't. Uh, and so they deserved his punishment. But God says, for the sake of his own name, for the sake of him not being profaned, in other words, for the sake of his honor, his reputation, he saved them out of Egypt, saved them out of slavery. And then in the wilderness, he made known to them his laws so they could live his way. He made known to them his Sabbath as a symbol of their relationship with each other so they'd know that he's holy. But they didn't obey his law. They desecrated his Sabbath. And so he punished them, but to keep his name from being profaned, he didn't destroy them. He promised they would still enter the land. And so he told their children, make sure you don't make the mistakes your parent made. Turn from your idols. Keep my laws. Keep my Sabbaths. But the children didn't do it. Uh, and so he said he would pour out his anger on them. But for the sake of his name, to keep it from being profaned, he did not destroy them. He, he brought them into the land he'd promised. And so finally, finally the people knew God and trusted him and followed his ways. No, not at all. The, the good land that God gave them, they just used as an opportunity for more idolatries. 
any kind of high place, any kind of place that looked particularly impressive, instead of thanking God for it and worshipping Him the way He commanded, they use it as an opportunity for false worship. And so God goes on to say, to this very day, Israel is doing the same thing. You guys are doing the same as your ancestors always did. And so to punish you, I will not answer your inquiry. I will not uh, let you inquire of me. Go serve your idols. That's what God says. Go serve your idols. That's what you're actually doing. Let's not, let's not pretend. Let's not play any games. But then he says, one day he's going to gather them with his mighty power, with an outstretched arm, and he's going to execute judgment and salvation. He's going to purge them. He's going to purify his people so that he has a people who knows him, who follows his ways. And he says he's going to do that not according to their evil, but for his name's sake. Uh, in other words, salvation is God's work from start to finish. We do not contribute anything to it. We don't deserve it. We don't contribute anything useful that helps us to be saved. It is God's work despite our deserving, despite us messing it up, uh, despite, despite us desecrating and dishonoring Him. From first to last, salvation is God's work. Well, that's uh, what was happening in the Old Testament how does that work for us now in the time of Jesus? Well, we get this summarized in Romans chapter 8, our other Bible passage. I'm just going to read verses 28 to 30. Romans 8, verses 28 to 30. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So here it describes salvation from God's point of view. God does this to a person, then he does this to a person, then he does this to a person, then he does this to a person, and so that is how a person is saved. God does it. Uh, it says that God, those God foreknew, he also, be, he also predestined. Um, some people want to uh, use this as an excuse to believe that actually they contribute something to God saving them. Where it says God foreknew those he would predestine to be saved, they say, well, look, God knew in advance that I was going to turn and trust in him. That's why he chose me. That's just not, first thing is that's not what the word foreknew means, right? For God to foreknow someone means he personally had a relationship with them ahead of time. It doesn't mean he knew information about them. Uh, and secondly, the whole argument of the passage is that God is doing all this, therefore we can be confident he's going to do it. If the, if the verse said, God is doing all this because he knew what you would do, then the only encouragement would be, you know he's going to do it if you're confident you're doing your part. And that's not the argument at all. The argument is you can be confident God's going to do it because it's all His work. So I'm just going to, there's a whole list of things here. There are other Bible passages that talk about different aspects of this. I'm going to pick what I think is a good summary of these main steps of God saving people uh, individually. So they are predestination, regeneration, perseverance, and glorification. So I'm going to put these over here on my first side of my diagram. Predestination, God choosing in eternity past to give people a destiny of being saved, regeneration, 
God takes someone from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive, trusting in Jesus. Perseverance, God keeps a person trusting Jesus. And glorification, when Jesus comes back, God transforms that person to be like Jesus in glory and sharing his glory. So predestination, regeneration, perseverance, and glorification. Uh, in, our, in our sin, uh, we often feel a bit uncomfortable about the idea that God is the one that makes people have faith. Uh, but it has to be that way, because if it was the other way around, then I would look at someone who's not a Christian and go, well, the reason I'm a Christian and they're not a Christian is because I had faith. I'm a bit better than them in some way. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm as bad as everyone, but I'm not actually as bad as everyone else because I chose to have faith. That's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible says, no, the reason anyone turns and has faith in Jesus is because God does it. So a place that puts this really clearly is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Right? He made us alive with Christ, not when we were dead in transgressions, but we started to feel sorry about it. Not even when we were dead in transgressions, but we, we tried to try. It's, it's no, we were just dead in transgressions. It was by grace that we've been saved. God made the first move. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Salvation is not from ourselves, it is the gift of God. It is God's work. Not by work so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So firstly, salvation is God's work. But salvation, we have to experience it, or we're just imagining it. Salvation is applied to people through their faith. I wonder if you notice that in the end of that passage I just read from Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go from verse 8 again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Does that mean works don't matter? No. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So salvation is applied to people through their faith, and that results in good works. That's the goal of faith is good works. So let's see. Regeneration, God brings dead people to life again so they have faith. So I'm going to put faith here. Uh, but the goal of faith is good works that God prepared in advance for us. I'm not going to give you a lot of defense of this from the Bible, but just in a nutshell, the way I think that works is that uh, faith is expressed in repentance, turning uh, from our sin to serve the true and living God. So then we serve him by growing in good works. And our good works give us assurance that we really know God. And so that encourages us in our faith. Uh, a couple of passages, though. Uh, Romans chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. Uh, this is a passage that argues very explicitly and clearly that it is, although faith leads to good works, it's the faith 
It's through the faith of a person that salvation is applied to them. Uh, so Romans 4 is talking, talking specifically about justification, that aspect of salvation. Uh, that God declares us to be righteous. God gives us the status of being righteous even while we're still sinners. Romans 4, 1 to 5. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Well, what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. So in that last verse, uh, Paul argues that God justifies people who are ungodly. In the process of salvation that God does, what God actually does is He takes someone who's ungodly and He justifies them. He takes someone who is a sinner and gives them the status of not being a sinner. He takes someone who's unrighteous and declares that they are officially righteous. So it's not, it's not because they've done enough good works to be righteous enough to say, well, we'll just round up a little bit. No, no, no. It's by faith. And Paul argues that was the case with Abraham, the father of faith. He says, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. Right? If you go to work and do your work and get paid, you don't consider your pay to be a gift. You've earned it. And he says, well, it's the same with God. Abraham, the, the Old Testament says, he's quoting here, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's not that Abraham believed God and that was a good work. That deserved reward. That made him righteous. No, no. It was credited as righteousness. God gave him the gift of righteousness. God justified him. God gave him the status of righteousness, even though he didn't have it. But he did that through faith. Uh, let's look at a, just a quick example of repentance being part of that. Uh, in Matthew chapter 3, uh, where you have the story of John the Baptist, you might remember uh, John is going around baptizing people and saying he's baptizing people for repentance. Right? Uh, and so some of the Israelites came and said, yep, I need, to, I need to repent. And they got baptized. Some of them came and watched what John was doing, but didn't get baptized. They obviously thought, they didn't need to. And so what does John say to them? Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So the Pharisees and Sadducees are saying, We know God. We trust God. We believe in Him. We're, we're fine. And John says, Prove it. Produce fruit, in other words, good works, in keeping with repentance. So there you go. There's a, there's a way of thinking about uh, faith. Uh, salvation is applied to people through their faith, but then faith is expressed in repentance, which produces good works, which means we're assured that our relationship with God is real, and so that encourages our faith. I've got another passage for that in 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 to 24. 1 John 3, 14 to 24. Uh, listen out for the idea of assurance in here. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, 
And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our heart condemns us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. And this is His command, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in Him and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. So just to put it in a nutshell, uh, you know, actually seeing the fruit of faith and repentance in our lives, seeing that we're changing, that we're doing good works, that just gives assurance that we, we know God, that we are saved. But that doesn't mean that, you know, if we don't feel assured, that we need to try harder to earn God's salvation. No, the thing that puts us at ease is knowing that God saves us through Jesus by His grace. That's where our faith has to be. Okay, so salvation is God's work. Salvation is applied to people through their faith. And finally, salvation is the application of Christ's merit. So uh, God regenerates people. They have faith and that unites them to Jesus. God is all-knowing, all-powerful and all-present. How can God, who knows everything, declare someone to be righteous when God knows they're not righteous? How can that be right for God to do that? God, how can uh, God give the power to someone to be his child when we don't have the power to be God's children? We've given that up. Uh, how can God be present in us by the Holy Spirit when we are impure, we are desecrated? Well, it's because of Christ's merit. It's because God regenerates us to have faith which unites us to Christ, who he is and what he's done. So let me give you uh, three passages for that that give three aspects. So firstly, uh, justification. God declares people who are unrighteous in themselves to be righteous, to have the status of righteousness. Uh, in Romans again, Romans chapter 5, verses 18 to 19. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. So it's the, the, the obedience of the one man that it's talking about that will make many people righteous. It's talking about Jesus. Just go read the rest of the chapter. It's, it's not, it's, there's not a debate about that. So uh, many people will be made righteous, not by many people doing lots of righteous things. Like you've got to do at least one each, according to that system. It's one righteous act to emphasize that it's Jesus' righteousness uh, that is credited to make people righteous. So I'm going to put justification up here. It's Christ's righteousness that is applied to sinners so they can be declared righteous. Uh, secondly, we'll see adoption in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. We already, this is our Bible reading. Uh, did you notice as it listed out these things that God works in salvation, uh, why people are predestined? Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Why did God predestine you? Was it because he looked at you and thought, this person, they've got the kind of abilities that would make him, a, him or her a good brother or sister for Jesus? No, not at all. It's because God looked at Jesus 
and said, he has the ability to be a great older brother. So he needs some younger brothers and sisters. Let's pick someone. So uh, adoption is because of Jesus' power, not ours. And finally, uh, our purification is because of Jesus' purity. Uh, John chapter 17, verses 15 to 19. Uh, This is at the end of the section in John's Gospel where Jesus is explained to his disciples the fact trying to get them ready for what's about to happen in his death and resurrection. They're very confused. And once he's explained, he prays. He prays for them. He prays for people who will believe the message through them. So he's praying for us as well. And in the course of his prayer, Jesus says this. My prayer is not, so John chapter 17, verses 15 to 19. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So our key word here is sanctification. Notice what Jesus does so that his people might be sanctified. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus sets himself apart from the world. He keeps himself pure in order that his people might be set apart from the world and purified. So salvation is God's work. And so it's regeneration that leads to people having faith. But salvation is applied to people through their faith. Our faith unites us to Jesus. And salvation is the application of Christ's merits. It's uh, Christ's deserving, Christ's power, Christ's purity that is applied to people in salvation. So, salvation is God's work. I've summarized that as predestination, then regeneration, then perseverance, then glorification. Salvation is applied to people through their faith, which is expressed in repentance, which produces good works, which produces assurance, which is encouraging in faith. Uh, Faith unites us to Jesus. Uh, Salvation is the application of Christ's merit. So, righteous... uh, Unrighteous people can be called righteous because of Jesus' righteousness. Uh, Weak people can be adopted as God's children because of Jesus' power. Uh, Impure people can be sanctified by the Holy Spirit because because Jesus set apart himself as pure. I hope, uh, if that seems a little complicated, my aim with this is to actually give you some concrete details, right? Jesus lived and died and rose again about 2,000 years ago. Sometimes that can seem quite distant. I hope you can see that this is is concrete. This is specific things that God does in people's lives. If you have faith in Jesus, then this is what God is doing in your life personally. This is not just about Jesus 2,000 years ago. This is not just about God's plans for humanity in a general way. This is God's work of salvation in individuals. If you have faith in Jesus, it means that that's because God chose you in eternity past. Before he'd made you, he said, Jesus is going to be a great older brother. I'm going to pick some people to be, for him to be an older brother too. Not because of anything about you, but because of Jesus. And so at a time in your life, he brought you from death in sin to life in Christ. He enables you to have faith in Jesus. He will enable you to keep having faith in Jesus, to persevere. 
and he will change you to be like Jesus on the day Jesus comes back. And so in the meantime, we experience having faith in Jesus. That can have ups and downs, good days and bad days. Day w- days where we feel more confident about trusting Jesus, days where we feel more doubtful. But our faith is expressed in repentance. We, we turn to follow Jesus. We don't just trust Jesus to save us, and so then we don't have to do anything. We trust Jesus to save us, and so we turn to follow him. And so as we follow him, we grow in living differently and doing good things. And as we see, it's, it's often to see this, hard to see this day by day, but if you look back on the last few years, hopefully you can see that you have changed, that God has grown you. And so that's a great encouragement that your faith is genuine. And so your faith connects you to Jesus. And so you are justified, not because you're doing good enough, but because Jesus' righteousness is credited to you. You're adopted, not because you have the ability to kind of walk around creation as a son of God, but because Jesus did have that power and it is credited to you. You are sanctified, not because you've done enough to make yourself, you know, pleasant for God, but because Jesus set apart himself in perfect purity and that is credited to you. This is not just 2,000 years ago. This is what is happening in your life right now if you're trusting with Jesus. If you're not trusting in Jesus, or you're not sure, well, notice, doing good works won't fix that problem. It's turning to Jesus, focusing on Him, trusting Him. Uh, That's how we have salvation applied to us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much that You are a God who saves. Thank You that salvation is Your work, because if if, if it depended on us, contributing anything uh, we would be doomed father thank you though that we can experience salvation that we can experience turning to you in faith that we can see other people turning to you in faith and so we plead for the people we know uh, family friends who don't yet trust in jesus please have mercy on them and turn them to trust in jesus and father thank you that Salvation as we experience it is not something that we deserve or that is dependent on our ability or our uh, purity, but wholly dependent on Jesus. And so, Father, help us to be uh, confident in you declaring us to be righteous. Help us to be confident in being your children. Help us to be confident that you are really present in us without thinking that any of these things make us better than anyone else. We pray that you would uh, grow us in seeing your work of salvation in us so that we grow in knowing you. Amen.